In association with Simon & Schuster, hello and welcome to Movie Theater Time Machine. For this month we celebrate Cary Grant, Master of Disguise, a book coming out soon written by Scott Iman. This, this episode we talk about His Girl Friday, of course, starring Cary Grant. My name is Nick. I'm Kaz. I'm Jess. Alright, it's going to sound a little different because we're doing this remotely. But hey, so... Friends and uh, moviegoers, we want to go ahead and drop a little bit of fun on you here. If you if you've seen the description already, you might get it in your hair. You s- <laughs> drop a little fun in your hair. <laughs> Not the hair. Um, if you see that in the description, you see a little link. You might have to copy paste or click, but you can get a copy of Scott Iman's book, Cary Grant Master of Disguise, for yourself. So Simon, yes, Simon and Schuster was actually nice enough to be able to provide a free copy to our fans to be able to push out, and they want you to read the book, obviously, and it will be sent to you. We're actually opening the portal to it on October fourteenth, and it's going till October twenty eighth. So you got two weeks to do it, but we're letting you know now. And actually, it is it's actually really close. Where we it's the tenth, so. At the time of recording this, so we got a few days. So by next week's episode, it should be open. So get it down. You know, fill out that form and go and get it because you want this book. Come on, guys! It's yeah. a free book you about f- Cary Grant. You fucking want this book because this book is it's, excellent. It's an actual book, though. You can hold it. You can smell it. Yes. It's got book smell. I like yeah. book smell. Yeah, you can you can have this book. This is yours. This is yours about the life and times of Cary Grant and stories and the man that's the enigma. And, you know, we're doing this month of October. Usually we do horror stories and Halloween stuff, but we're talking about a guy who literally wore a mask. Mm-hmm. Oh, through, through all of this. So this is a really good one. Today we're talking about the titular movie that basically when you think about Cary Grant, you think about His Girl Friday. Yes. And, you know, I used to wear this suit, and I actually, we have to post it on our social media, um, but if you see the Cary Grant meme where the guy posted, the guy uh, pointing and he goes, get out, get out, with that gif, that is Cary Grant, and I've never I, seen that before. Yeah, I have, yeah, <laughs> but I have a suit. Uh, I have a picture of it where I used to teach these classes, and I wore this suit a few times with a fedora and looked just like it. Mm. And I'm like, this is really good, except there's just a skinny, nerdy guy with a goatee going, Hi, I look good. (laughs) (laughs) But man, it's this one, 1940, it is a fast talker. Yes. And it um, it was supposed to be fast. Yes. And there was nobody named Friday in this movie. Nope. Hey, would you like to know why it's called yes. His Girl Friday? Yes, please. Just, do you know it? Um, I actually don't. Okay. All right, so referring to a, in 1940, the late 30s, early 40s slang, if you refer to a woman as Friday, or that's my girl Friday, or... That's Friday over there. It refers to a woman who is subservient to a man or a slave to a man. Jesus. Charming. So it's it was built as an ironic title, but the 
Um, the Hildy character. Hildy. Why Friday? That's not a proper name. That's a day of the week. Right. Right. I but no. Well, Friday because everybody lives for Friday, and at that time there were labor laws put in making most businesses Mondays or Friday. Uh, so it was yeah. called Friday, where people were living for the weekend, literally. And you know, it's it's the ironic title, and Howard Hawks uh, was actually. Uh, chose this because it's the Hildy Johnson is really the Friday character. However, she's not subservient to Cary Grant. Oh, hell no. At all. Uh, she's absolutely not. But I have my own theories on this personally, but I see that she is subservient. She is a bit of a slave, but she's a slave to the paper industry. Yeah, that's not necessarily to him. Yeah. It's a yeah, because yeah, yeah, because she's got all this thing, and she's like, "Okay, I'm leaving the news business," but then she's drawn right back in when something interesting she, happens. It's like, um, it's like an addict. Yes. Yeah. The rush. She was a rush while doing it. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, and it hit me later that this movie is actually in real time. Yeah. Like it's kind of odd. Huh. I um. I picked up on it immediately because I was like, I was actually thinking about the month that we had done previously. Yeah. Was, you know, the day in life. Yeah. Um, and I picked up on it immediately. I was like, oh, it's another one of these. Okay. Yeah, it, it did. It hit me later that it was like, okay, it's really quick. It's really... Odd, um, and it's just it's it's not necessarily just an hour and a half, but because they're in the beginning of the movie, they're at lunch, and then he's got to go. He's kind of late to taking a nine o'clock train, and presumably he missed the eight o'clock train. Yeah. But you know we'll get into it. But uh, Cary Grant plays somebody named Mister Burns, which is hilarious <laughs> to me. Yes. And, you know, just see, I think that also His Girl Friday has also been parodied so many bloody times. Has it? I'm only familiar with the weird phrase. Yeah. But. Um, Yeah, uh, I mean, it's even in current pop culture, um, in the, uh, I'm getting a little lag here, hold on. Um, The Marvel movies. Yeah. uh, Relatively recently, the Avengers. Uh, when they, uh, the character Jarvis, and Jarvis becomes, um, oh crap, what's his name? Vision. Yeah. Um, the new program that Tony uploads, he names Friday, and it's a female voice. Huh. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I, we dropped out after, I think, um, I think it was Age of Ultron. Something like Um, that. uh, Yeah. Avengers all the way, so... I'm like, yeah. I know what you're doing, Marvel. Fuck you. You're not going to hold us hostage for yeah, movies. Yeah. But I love it because it was based off of The Ultimates, and I loved The Ultimates. So I was, like, knee-deep into it. The minute Iron Man came out, I knew I was dead. <laughs> I mean, I, I get why people like it. Just for us, it was just like, okay, this is a lot of time and a lot of money. And yeah, yeah, just like at that point, I'm like, I don't think I can keep up. Um, but we're not here to talk about yeah, Marvel. No, no. No, no. no it's uh, really an interesting one. I mean, this, 
You could see also the difference. I mean, if you watched last week's movie compared to this, how much his voice has changed. Oh, time. <laughs> Within a period of almost maybe two years. Because it, yeah. was, it was filmed in 1939, released in 1940. Um, if you see this, on, uh, it's actually posted on YouTube quite a bit. Uh, on IMDb. Yeah, and taken down, but it's actually mismarked as 1941. To, oh, okay, to, I was wondering um, about that. Um, but it's mismarked as 1941 in order to bypass the YouTube algorithm for, in order to keep that's it up. Funny. Actually, yeah, that's actually quite smart, too. So. Um, but, man, I... God, I... <laughs> It's it. I I know with the I get the people's perception of this. I mean, it's kind of it's one of those that's ranked obviously in the Library of Congress and is like the top one hundred whatever of the most influential movies of all time. I think it's like number nineteen. Um, and I get it. I mean, I have I don't I have mixed emotions on it, but I can also see the other side of it. Really, I like, like the disclaimer. Like at the very beginning. Yeah. Right. And they're like, this is not what happens. Yeah. Which is hysterical because that's exactly what happened. Right. Like, can we really? Like, you know, like, really? Are you ready? Like, mm -hmm. leave the theater right now if you have the chance <laughs> while you're ready. Go. Uh, which I could see in a 1940 style, like before the U.S. got into World War II. And all the other junk that went on too after, you know, and changed basically the course of world history. Like, this is a weird period of time where we're somewhat crawling out of the Depression and we're not really quite full force U.S. military yet. Yeah, we're crawling out of the Depression and heading into war. Yeah, it's it's a weird little time that not many people talk about, but just to have that, that vision of it like, oh, I've got to have the paper. The paper's got to run. And it's very odd. And I, I think this movie is going to be lost to time eventually because people and I, I the thought in the back of my mind was, could you see this remade today? No, no. Well, you kind of do, I, uh, to be honest. I think you can, um, though. It, you kind of see it almost every day. Because yeah. you look at the scene where all the guys are uh, writing different pieces of the same information. Right. And it's the same thing if you watch Fox News versus MSN. Yeah. It's the same piece of, you know, news that's being construed in two completely different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And you I, really don't know where the truth is because the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I've been thinking about it, and I think some of this will be lost because I can remember, I can remember my grandparents. Like I would wake up and I would stay at their house, and then walk into the kitchen, and they would be reading the newspaper and drinking coffee. Right. And I think well, that started to fade a lot. That's the thing. We grew up in a weird time. Yeah. Um, I do remember. That we would get the paper every day, and that Sunday was always the big one. Right. And we had all the coupons. Right. And then yeah. the news, you would watch the news at like noon, at five, and on or 11. Now, you want the news, just pick up your phone. Yeah. You don't need to wait for a newspaper, you don't need to wait for 
the evening news. It's right at your fingertips. And yeah, I think some of the themes would probably, like, people would relate to it, but... Yes. Just like try like when this when all the when the big stuff happens like they're all right there and my first thought was, thank God they're all right there. Right. You know, there's that one guy. You know, there's that one reporter that went that went home early or went to lunch or was like on the other side of the city for some reason. Yep. And it's just like ah shit. Right, you missed the big scoop. Yeah, like did I? Ah. <laughs> Uh, or that one guy would walk back into the press room and go, hey, what's going on? Oh, no. Right. did you walk into? Yeah. Oh, no. But, um, all right. So, you know, let's get into it with uh, some of the summaries, kind of walk through this. Uh, and, um, you know, kind of go through, go through um, and see where we are. So, um, yeah, so this is, you know, so it's Cary Grant. So, uh, Walter Burns, a hard-boiled editor for the Morning Post, learns that his ex-wife and former star reporter, Hildy Johnson, is going to marry a bland insurance man, Bruce Baldwin. And I loved the fact that it was a Baldwin. Yeah. Because <laughs> I had way too many jokes going in my head. I'm not familiar with them, so I had no jokes. I basically, yeah. <laughs> I basically just had Alec Baldwin in my head. That's exactly what Dan said. <laughs> Dude, you're, uh, Which one is he? Alec Baldwin, the guy who does Donald Trump now. Oh. oh he's the one who was on Dirty Rock. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Lemon, you're not going to do this. <laughs> Come on, settle down with me. I'll make you a family that you always wanted. <laughs> My best stupid impression. The whole scene, like, when they're going back and forth, like, you, it's really well played because you can tell Rosalind Russell really, like, got into this role and really tried really hard. But the, the play back and forth of, um, between Cary Grant and uh, Rosalind Russell, like, you could tell that this was actually a perfect casting. Yes. And, um... This is a little trivia, though, um... This is actually a remake. It is? Um, it was, yeah, it was made in 1931, I believe. Um, and the original character of Hilding is actually supposed to be played by a man. The romance aspect is not in the original play. Um, it's literally supposed to be a guy who is trying to get his reporter back. And this big story hits and it's the way that he does get it back. Um, so the character Hildy is gender swap, and that was something uh, the screenwriter wanted to add in because it was dynamic. Really? The connection's yeah. kind of cutting out. Sorry. Yeah. Um, basically, it was just rewritten by the screenplay, uh, the screenwriter, um, to put in not just the romance aspect, but we thought that a woman being in that role would be interesting. Yeah, and it also was a nice middle finger to the to the uh, the the movie code that was going on. Yeah. As well, because they had the two characters divorced. And the yeah. reason why they did that, it's like, okay, they've done that, but they were into another relationship, and the code would have cut that out right away. 
like anybody who was married or any in any other relationships before this. Like this movie was really groundbreaking for nineteen forty. Incredibly, incredibly so because yeah. You know, because of because of that fact, it's like, okay, well, we'll just divorce them. And then they go on to other relationships with some of the lines that he says. He's like, I like to be very particular about who my wife is going to marry. Yeah. And, you know, that's also like little digs at the code of like, you know, people can trust themselves. It's okay. And, um... Um, it's like Stan Lee as well, releasing stuff under Marvel without the, without the comic code seal of approval, just to see that he could do it. And once he released it and nobody's heads exploded, he's like, okay, good. We're going to put everything else that I've ever wanted in there. It's like, we don't need a code anymore. And it's just like little digs were starting to happen in 1940, um, which also is reminiscent of Casablanca too. Like without this movie, Casablanca would have never happened. Hmm. Either because Casablanca blatantly did almost the same thing, but also showed like little innuendos of a relationship, and also showed little innuendos that uh, Ingrid Bergman and uh, Humphrey Bogart had sex in between the scenes. Yeah. Like uh, they just did that, and you know, go back if you go back to our Casablanca episode. Actually, my brother-in-law Charlie has a really funny rant on that. Hey, premarital sex. <laughs> no, no. Where it's like my sister's like, oh no, they probably just had a good night, and <laughs> and uh, my you know my my brother-in-law goes, oh my man, he freaking railed her. <laughs> like, yeah, he had a good time. Her hair was different and everything. <laughs> That's great. It was awesome. I believe that was episode twelve of ours, and so back uh, aways, you know. Okay. Also, a few hidden jokes. Yeah. In this movie, um, two of them are close to the end. But really? um, yeah, at the very beginning, there is a very very cognito uh, small penis joke. Yeah. And it's great. It's in that first scene. Mm-hmm. She gets him right away. Um, as right before. She's gonna introduce him to her. What? What was that? Sorry, it's a. There's a, there's a small penis joke. Yep. Uh, right before she introduces um, Cary Grant to her new fiance. Right. Okay. So. It's just it's really funny. So it's you have to listen. All right, I, I I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested here. So. Um, there is actually a really good thing before we go any further. Um, let's just drop in here what Scott Iman actually thought of this movie. So we'll do that here actually right now. I love that movie. I love that it's Girl Friday. Well, he was, I was a journalist for a long time. All right. That is the that's the ultimate journalism movie. You know? Awesome. That's journalism the way we like to think it used to be. It probably never was like that. Yeah. But that's, that's Ben X journalism. You know, the front page and Charlie MacArthur and all that. Uh, and the, 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 the speed is wonderful and Rosalind Russell is great because she can give Grant as good as he gives her and not every actress could do that you know it takes a special actress to match up well with Grant because of his energy level yeah Hepper, Catherine Hepburn could do it and, and, and uh, Rosalind Russell could do it but a lot of actors kind of receded yeah. when faced with his energy 
Thank you, Scott. Yeah. And, uh, so, the, yeah, he introduces, she introduces him, and there's a good one there. You want to, well, they want to, um, Hildy Johnson, who obviously is incredibly respected and, you know, has only been away for four months. Yeah. Bouncing around and divorcing and the funny things that happen, the little jokes in the scene where um, he delayed, he wrote a, a, a message in the sky, hired a plane ride, um, <laughs> a sky rider to say, Hildy, don't do it and delayed the divorce for 10 minutes while the judge wanted to see it. Like it, it, it is a little. It's fast. I mean, it's very, very, very fast. But Hildy wants to uh, live a quiet life as a mother and a wife in Albany, New York, um, and then goes to introduce the little things like when they're going and she's going to introduce him to the fiance. And I think now is like it just gets to that scene and. The uh, I think I know I think I know what it is now. Why did she come to even see him at all? Was it to be like okay, you don't have to pay alimony or some shit? I think she did it. I will find out right at the end of the movie. She did it so it would stop her from marrying him. Yeah. Oh. She was. She was. It's kind of a big game, which is exactly what he would have wanted to play. Yeah. It's one of those. Hey, if you're, I'm going to be getting married, you're not going to be my husband. What was Let's that? just, he's like, okay, we're going to be getting married. You're not going to be my husband anymore. Are you going to fight for me or not? Oh. Uh, yeah. I, I, okay. Yeah, it's, um, and in this, I think it's really funny where, like, he's introducing himself to this old man who can't get a word in. Yeah. But you see, like, Ralph Bellamy, who plays Brew, who plays Bruce Baldwin, is behind him and then not really getting a word in either. He can't get a word in no matter what. Yeah, and <laughs> and then they, you know, they go off to lunch, and this whole scene, and it's, it's a weird cat and mouse game yeah. of, you know, Hildy and... Walter back and forth volleying and then you know Bill um, Bruce obviously being a third wheel just trying to get a word in and they're in this environment where everybody knows Hildy everybody knows Walter and they're just kind of at their A game and you know he's like oh you want to go into insurance and back in the last scene where Walter's like well I can't see you being surrounded by policies and and all that, and I'm like, I get you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, you kind of establish right away that Bruce is a nice guy, but he's very, um, very milquetoast. Naive, too? Yeah, definitely. No, he's a very nice guy. What a nice fella. Mm. <laughs> what a nice man. No. No, <laughs> no honey, no. Like, you're losing a lot of it right here. And, you know, so he wants to get Hil get Hildy to get cover one more story, and it's the execution of Earl Williams, who's played by John Quinlan. And it's a shy bookkeeper who's convicted a murder of the African-American police, uh, an African-American policeman, and that's where you see 
where it definitely is 1940 because of the dialogue. Oh, definitely. And also, some things haven't changed. No, it's like nothing's changed. Oh, today. Hmm. Something with crooked politicians who just really want the vote. Oh, yeah. And basically, the mayor and the sheriff are up for re-election, and there's a vote coming in a few days, and they want everything to go just right because... It's basically, if they have their way, they're a shoo-in to continue and to keep going, and they get reelected. So they want the black vote, which they can get by hanging the white guy that shot the black cop. Right. Pretty much, yeah. And, and the whole deal is that I paid. There was one part that I got a little confused at, which was, how did this man get a gun? Yeah. Where did he get it? Why did he have it? Yeah. Because... He um, he was okay. I get it. He was cracking. He was distraught. He lost his job after fourteen years. Um, after fourteen years, he was basically not being able to find something else. He was going to losing his house. You know, he was just on his last legs. He was having Why a did he have public a freakout? I think. Yeah, he had a public freakout. And he was basically waving a gun, a gun around. And the police officer came in and was like, don't, you know, put your gun down. Hold his gun. And the guy shot him. Now, right. it's supposed to be that it was an accident. That he didn't actually need to pull the trigger. It was a unfortunate mistake. Um, and that his mental state definitely should have been in play. But it still doesn't excuse the crime. Right. So I was still confused as to where he got the gun. I actually looked it up last night. I checked a lot of different sources, and none of them answered that question. Really? Yeah, I could not find a single person or a summary that actually said why the gun was there. Hmm. Huh. So I think it's definitely... You know, part of the plot, but there, unless he was in the park with a gun going to kill himself, there was no real reason for him to die. Yeah. Well, maybe he was suicidal? It's possible, but they never bring it up. It's never mentioned. And, yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, there's... There's a lot that goes on here, and there's a lot there. There's two points to this movie where the story actually shifts. If you really, and you know, because it's so fast, I actually had to watch and take notes and uh, do other things. And this is one of them: is where um, Hildy uh, takes the takes all the money they have from uh, from Bruce takes the $500 and puts the, gives it to her so she takes the control of the story. Oh, she definitely knows what her ex-husband is capable of. Yeah. I mean, it's where they're talking about, okay, let's get a policy, let's get another, let's get a $1,000 commission out of a hundred, you know, well, how much is a policy? How much could it be? $25,000, $50,000? How much for $100,000? Like, she's, she's in that conversation is where she starts to shift. And, you know, um, Hildy definitely is the dominant one here. Um, 
but you know Walter is definitely the is definitely dominant. But it shifts later on, and through the rest of this, like you know, Cary Grant is you know definitely top villain. Um, but he also like he he steals the scene when he's there. Yeah, he's not really. The main character in this movie. No, but the he. Main character is Kelly. Yeah, it's but you know box offices are going to go for Cary Grant, and I mean oh, it's yeah. are going to go for it because of his appeal, because of everything. And let's just be honest, the bored freaking Housewives of nineteen forty are finally having something to look at. Exactly. And the husbands and boyfriends that are going to the movies are having something to look at with Rosalind, uh, Rosalind as well. That or they'll bring their kids. Because it's something to do. Yeah. Yeah, true, true. As far as I know, at least at this point, I don't believe there was a rating system yet. No. No, there wasn't. The The rating systems really didn't come in until late 60s or 70s. Rated and unrated. And, yeah, yeah, it was rated NUR when we yeah. saw this. But the... Uh, um, there's actually another story another day, but as, uh, if you... Uh, speaking with ratings listeners, I would recommend if you have a chance, look up how the X rating started and how yes. it became NC-17 and then how porn took that over. Yes. Uh, to me, it always makes me laugh. It's hysterical. Every it's actually t- it's, super funny story. Like, no, we'll take it. Like, uh, wait, what? Oh, okay. And <laughs> it's just there. We'll get to another day. But the uh, back with the movie... Uh, Hilda uses economic theory to explain the murder of a cop and insists that he shot the gun because of production for use. Yeah. Did anybody get this? Was she blaming it on communists? Yes. Um, I actually looked up production for use. Hold on. Um. It's, oh, okay. It's not communist. It's actually like a socialist economy. Oh. Um. It's basically, instead of production for profit, production for use means basically you use what you make. So what do you use the gun for? You use the gun to shoot. So using a gun to shoot is what it's made for. Oh. Like you use a cup. You're going to go buy the cup because the cup is used to drink from. So you're only going to get the cup. You're not going to get tons of cups. You only need one. That's the only one you're going to drink out of because if you have a bunch of cups, you're not going to drink through a bunch of cups all at once. Oh. Interesting. Okay. So she was just basically trying to find a way to blame people spouting was, shit in the park on yes. blaming him for insanity. Why do they. Yes. I know they, they just. So they just hate this mayor, right? Yeah. They hate this mayor. This, um, the sheriff. Is uh, he's kind of a bumbling idiot, and everybody on his table is a member of a family in some way, shape, or form. Mm. Um, right. It's filled with Right. Um, yeah. It's basically later on, actually, when um, the guy makes his jailbreak, uh, everybody who starts shooting is a member of his family. Right. Yeah. Things they talk about. Yeah. Um, they start calling, going, This is so and so's clue. This is so and so's brother. This is so and so's nephew. 
Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Are members of his family. Damn. Or, or married into it. Damn. Damn. So the so sheriff hired everybody on nepotism. Exactly. And none of these people actually know what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, can I just say it? Sure. I am the sheriff. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so Walter's doing everything in order to keep Hildy from leaving and uh, first setting up and accusing Bruce of stealing a watch and uh, forcing her to, to go bail him out. And There's so many back and forth here. So many yeah. back and forth. Because you've got Hildy taking the money from Bruce. Yeah. And you have Bruce staying with Walter with the check from Walter, a certified check for $2,500 to pay for the life insurance. So then you have Hildy calling him going... Put the check in your hat. Right. Because it's an old superstition. And in actuality, it's because he knows that he has, uh, Walter has guys on his payroll that'll pickpocket. Right. And do things. Thought it was a pickpocket thing. Yeah. So, um, he put it in his hat. So when the guy steals his wallet, there's no check in there. Right. And so she takes the check back. And my grandfather used to do this with his business. Is he he would wear a particular hat when he was doing business transactions, and all his it was like a it was like a flat top, but sort of like a fedora type thing. Okay. But all of his checks would be in his hat. And that makes sense because yeah, a pocket's gonna go to your over your briefcase, right? Your pocket. They're yeah. not gonna try to steal your hat. Yeah, and he did that. What if the wind comes and steals your hat? That's why they started uh, making money belts. Yeah. Ah. Well, we're good with that. Mm. um, But he he was also a business owner who, at one point in his life, he just decided to wear shorts as much as possible because he could. Okay. Because he could own the place. And I had a feeling it was also if he sat down, he was afraid some of the stuff might fall out. So, but I remember that he always wore his, like, anytime somebody wrote checks or if he had to, like, I would ride with him when I was really little and he would take checks to the bank or something and he would always put the, if he had a check ledger, it would be close to him, but if he had single checks, he always put them in his hat. Okay. And it was just really, I, I did, it, it occurred to me a few moments ago, so I'm like, wow, I'm like, that's kind of um, we do have a bunch here that happens. I mean, it's, you know, where Hildy and, you know, she's announcing that she's going to retire from this. And of course, nobody's buying that she's going to retire. No. And you get the scene where a lot of the people who are in the press and a lot of reporters who are there, and you can see why Hildy's the best. Because yeah. she's going out and finding stuff, and they're all sitting there playing cards, and they, they look older. And it was a stylistic choice of Hawk, uh, Howard Hawkins, uh, who um, he also had her. Everybody, even though this was a black and white movie, all the guys were in lighter clothes and she was wearing darker clothing. Okay. Yeah, she stood out more. Yeah, exactly. And she yeah. never sat down. No, she didn't. Either, which I think was a really good stylistic choice. And. The people who were really, really powerful in this hardly ever sat down. True. 
hardly ever did that. And the ones who were just kind of subservient were always hunched or sat down too, which was really just an interesting thing. Um, so we have this where we, uh, uh, Williams escapes the mumbling sheriff and practically falls on her lap. Uh, can we just, uh, can yeah. we tell him how he escapes? Because this is the most ridiculous fucking thing it I've is. ever heard. It is. Um, it's- so, basically, this man was going to be hung the next morning at 7 a.m. Uh, for shooting the police officer. And the, I guess the medical examiner is coming to talk to him the last yeah. time to try to make sure that he's safe. Yeah. He's safe. Um, and, of course, they bring him out. Technically, at this point, it's later at night. Not, like, super late, but, like, say, 7 p.m. And it's his last night alive. And they bring him out of his cell. They turn all the lights off. They shove a, a light in his face. And they start to interrogate him. And then... The doctor has this brilliant idea to have him recreate the scene <laughs> on as to what actually happened. And the sheriff goes, okay, here's my gun. <laughs> recreate it. And what happens? The dude shoots the doctor because that's what happened. And then the sheriff is like, oh my god. And the guy just fucking takes off. <laughs> the doctor is fine. He's got like a, a shoulder wound. But who is surprised that this happened? Mm. So much for like, the it was an accident defense. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but this, this kills me. Because I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you uh, put a gun in a convict head. <laughs> a guy who's going to die the next day. Who's literally got nothing to lose. Gun. Right. Yeah. And he's got a loaded gun. <laughs> the fuck do you think he's going to do? <laughs> right. It's like literally he's got nothing to lose. And like they're testing the gallows out. You know, before this, and you're like, assumably, you know, not very far away from where his cell is. And, and then you can keep hearing it. Yeah. Right next to the newsroom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank good thing for the newsroom, really. And, I mean, it just reminds me, like, there's a podcast Kaz and I watch on YouTube. Um, it's called What the Fuck is Wrong With You? <laughs> where they talk about really stupid stories. And there was one from a small Canadian airport and the guy uh, a passenger was trying to go through security and they basically found a homemade bomb Jesus and so obviously they're like you can't fly we're not going to allow you to board the plane with this and they send him on his way away from the airport and then they gave it back to him like, they gave him back. I'm like, okay, you can't do that. Here you go. And then gave him back the bomb, and then he blew up cars in the parking lot. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, are you... Wait, like... Really? Like... Oh, like there. And one guy's like, really? How stereotypically Canadian is that? Like, 
Okay, you can't do that. Okay, here you go. Like, and you it go. just, it just came over again. Get on your way, go back. And I just, like, thought about that. Like, that was kind of along the same lines. It's like, okay, yeah. well, just go ahead, recreate, and show us what happened. Go ahead, take my gun. Here you go. But it really shows how completely inept yeah. this therapist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he. He reminds me of the health inspector character uh, in Bob's Burgers. Mm. Yes. Yeah, the I can't remember his name, but basically he gives Bob shit all the time because he used to date Linda before Bob and her got together. Uh. And um, it's just still like it's the same. Just that he's really, really bad at his job, and he only he doesn't really do anything. Like it, it, I, I agree. I agree with you, Jesse. I, I absolutely agree with you. It, it, <laughs> Oh, man, so, yeah, they, um, so at this point, um, which, uh, Hildy's starting to realize that, you know, what Walter's doing and getting really behind his shenanigans, but, yet yeah, she's powerless to really bail out Bruce again, because, uh, Walter frames Bruce, and he's immediately sent right back to jail, um, there's this thing. Yeah, jail like three or four times. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's a th- Yeah, there's a thing where it's like, okay, well, we need to be reimbursed for money because I had to pay this guy off, and it's not exactly my money. And uh, Hildy's telling this to Wally, okay, good, and then you know gives like four hundred fifty dollars in counterfeit money. Yeah, basically, uh, <laughs> she had to pay off her sword. Right. Um, and so she took the money that she had from Bruce. Right. To pay the sword. But then she has to have the money back. So she calls Walter like, hey, you owe me $450. So Walter goes to his park guy. Yeah. And he's like, do you have that furniture money still? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, go give it to him. Yeah. And he's like, I, uh, I don't carry that much. And he's like, yes, you do. Just do it. He's like, oh, crap. Yeah, and, and he gets the tourist, so she has counterfeit money now because she doesn't know what counterfeit. And she's and she has, I believe, she still has the check. Yeah, and I think it's funny too that he basically sends a prostitute over. Oh my god! That was a prostitute. That was so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, oh and, no, she's supposed to be like a lady who was walking by. Yeah. And claims that he tried to buy her you know a night yeah oh. and she got a insulted and called the cops <laughs> that was her job her job is pretty and blonde and is it set up yeah but um, the, it's the explanation of it like yeah she's there this woman actually like yeah she's blonde <laughs> very blonde Fucking Walter. Like, I, I mean, Walter knows what to do. Yeah. Walter knows exactly what to do. <laughs> but it's the fact that Hildy is one step ahead. Because she knows it. Because yeah. honestly. Oh, yeah. It's... I guarantee you, if we delve deep, deeper, um, she probably came up with half the shit. You think so? I do. I think that what she would probably use these to get what she needs. She knows Walter so well because she probably came up with half of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So. Um, yeah. I do want to mention one thing, though. Um, 
we kind of glossed over it a little bit, and I understand why, but it's important, at least I think it, to me it is. Um, there is a woman who is oh, yeah. sort of involved in all this, um, and she is Molly? giving a bad rap. Yeah. Um, she... Oh, yeah, she, oh, she yes. uh, barges in and starts yelling at all the press dudes for being all like, you wrote me like that I'm his girlfriend and I'm not. They basically made her sound like she was a prostitute initially because she met him on the street. He, she brought him home and then he left the next morning. So it looks like she picked him up, brought him home for sex and then let him go. And some of these um, writers actually wrote that. They're saying that she's his girlfriend, or that she's the lady of the night, or that she's easy. Um, and it's completely not true. She's basically sitting there going, you're lying about me. I was just being nice to him. I didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He just kind of poured his heart out and then left, and you're lying about him, and you're lying about me, and none of them take her seriously because she's a woman. Right. Um, the only one who really listens is Hildy. And then, well, Hildy is right her um, piece. But she's yeah, she starts right typing. Yep. Yeah. Then she leaves it there for a second. She was leaving the room. Um, because she uh, she jumps on the guy to uh, to get the scoop because stuff happens. The other uh, reporters go over and read her writing and are like, "Wow, she puts so much emotion into it. She puts so much heart into it. She's a great writer." And it's like, you know, you douchebags. Maybe if you paid more attention, you could write like that. But you yeah. don't shit because she's a woman. Yeah, and she calls it right out that they're all freaking too lazy. Oh, yeah. Like, until something happens right in front of them, like, they're all running out the door. Right. And it's funny that you, like, where you mentioned that, like, one of the things I noticed is that, you know, Hildy grabs a source immediately. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, and then they're talking to anybody who they can talk to. Um, I believe she called them Cooley. Right. Which apparently was a slur, and I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Um, Dan brought it up. I do not remember what it's supposed to be, but it is a slur. Hmm. Something like those field workers that wore the cone hats or something? Poss- yes, 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 yes. That's it. Chinese workers, I think? Yes, yes. It was, um, yes, Chinese oh. workers. I didn't dance. So it was new to me so yeah hmm. um but yeah she gets the scoop and she runs back to the um the newsroom to basically start writing it or getting a head start and that's when um uh what's his name Earl yeah Earl? yeah yep. Earl the um yeah and just so the the main thing, the main guy who's going to be hungry. Yeah, and one point in this, I just 
want to see, when you see them typing the typewriters, did anybody's fingers get cramped? No. Yeah. Just, they're like, just, just sort of like, I, I don't know if anyone, I know, Kaz, you have, but have you had experience just in like typing on a typewriter? Yes. Actually, a lot of it. And... Okay, so you could see that. I used to play with one. Not one like, of them electronic ones, but... No, no. Old school. The ones yeah. where you jam your fingers between the keys? Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I, I had... Yeah. I had that. I had that as well. I used to play with one of my grandmother, and she used to try to get me to type with both hands, and it was... It wasn't really fun. I was, um... Growing up, I was kind of the poor kid. Yeah. So... We, we were supposed to have um, typed reports. Mm. I didn't have a computer. I used an old, old, old typewriter. Damn. Until, I think, college. And then I started doing schools. But, um, yeah, I put all my reports on the typewriter. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Trying to do on the typewriter? Yeah. Happened. Yeah. I, I do remember doing some of that in college and, like, Looking at a computer and thinking it was just a typewriter with a screen. It's basically what it is. Well, yeah, yeah. Just looking at it, like, how do we do this? Oh man, it's weird times. But yeah, so we're at the pool. My my fingers were like cramping. Yeah, yeah. It is for me too. It's it's, uh, sorry, listeners, if you're saying it too. But um, so we have this point. Yeah, the um, what. The Earl gets in there, he comes through the window with a gun, and he shoots a pigeon out of fear. Oh, God. Okay, so, right before this, he breaks free. He shoots the doctor. Yeah. breaks free. And all of the sheriff idiot cousins go out and start shooting at him. But they suck. Right. And they shoot random people. They do shoot randoms, yeah. They shoot random people, and random people are getting hurt. And that's where all this major commotion is going on. And that's kind of why actually kind of double that. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and so Bruce calls and tells her that she... um, him to wait because uh, she has Earl Williams in the press room. Williams' friend Molly comes looking for her, looking for him and, uh, well, friend, quote-unquote, assuring him that she knows he's innocent. When the reporters knock on the door, she hides him in the roll-top desk. Honestly, like, this for is someone great. who is adamant about not being, like, his girlfriend, what she does at this point is so... Out of left field. It is. It is, and definitely, it's, yeah. It's just like to the extreme. I agree. Um, she hides him in a death, and in order to distract everybody who knows so all the, uh, the reporters who came back, uh, sheriff, everybody else, she jumped out the window of like two stories. And falls. Yeah. Oh my god, she's dead. No, no, she's not. She's moving. And it's like, what the fuck did you do that for? The line delivery on that was awesome. Literally. 
no, she's not dead, she's moving. And then the shooting starts again when they're all just ducking down. This this is what I liked about the movie was just like they didn't hide the stupidity. No. In general, and you knew who were like this. I guess this is what kind of makes it. What Scott said is this, this is the timelessness of this movie. Yeah. Is that you could see these parts are, are today where people are trying to figure out the scoop, and it's I guess kind of played to the extreme was like when they did the female Ghostbusters and. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Thor was playing the dumb secretary. Honestly, that movie was so flat. Um, I don't even know yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was really excited. Yeah. About it because it was supposed to be like one of those um, remakes that was supposed to like still be in the same vein as the original, and it fell so flat. Yeah. It. Didn't, like rolling in his grave. Yeah, it didn't do a lot right. I, I can I can understand no. that, yeah. It, it was more okay. The first one and even the second one, while being a comedy, it wasn't a slapstick comedy. And that's what they did with the new one. It was very slapstick. Uh, and like, it, yeah. It missed a lot of the actual files. Yeah. And I like that's, that's and I liked that because it's like with His Girl Friday, this is kind of like where it was and like it knew what it wanted to say. And, you know, this is again, this is another part where there's a shift because you do have um, Hildy's mother-in-law coming in and also a part where um, I believe this is the part where um, Bruce, oh, we're not there yet, I think, but... Um, Oh wait, yeah, it's not. We are here. I think we're here at this point, but where yeah, Hildy think Hildy, yeah. yeah, Hildy thinks her. Um, oh, we're, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, it's where Hildy also thinks that um, Bruce's mother's dead. Uh, yeah, well, but she's not. She calls. She calls um, uh, Carrie Grant's character. I can't remember the Walter. Oh, Walter. Misty Bins. <laughs> <laughs> um. She calls Walter, and she says, basically, get your ass down here. We've got yes. the scoop century. Yeah. Get your ass here. And he does. He gets there really fast. Um, and he starts, like, back pocket, like, because that's what he does. Um, and Bruce's mother shows up because she was supposed to go with them back to Albany. <laughs> and they had already missed their train twice. So she basically showed up to give Hildy a piece of her mind. And uh, when Walter showed up, he brought his pickpocket friend. And he basically says, take her out of here. So the pickpocketing friend picks up the mother and runs away. Um, and that's when you get to, like, the crux of what's going on. The scene does change. Yeah. Um, to where the mayor and the sheriff are talking. And they're basically, the mayor's like, you fucked this all up. You're fired. Like, you're dead. I might still live, but you're fucked. You're out. Um, 
And then this like, very nice little man walks in and he's like, oh, I have the governor's reprieve. He's, um, he's not going to be hung. He's, he's got the reprieve. And the mayor does the most mayory thing I've ever heard, which was, you were never here. I never saw you. Right. And he's like, yeah, I'm right here. He tries to bribe him with a job. With a job, and he's trying to pass cop this guy who was obviously not, um, how do we, he's not uh, qualified. He's not that intelligent. No. No, he relies very heavily on his wife, and it really, like, and this is the second shift, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the movie, like, when this dude enters, this is where it all starts falling downhill. Because these yeah. people who are in power are finally like, okay, we've got it, and they keep going. And they try to pass off a horrible problem. Basically, yeah. Yeah, really pass it off. And then, you know, because, like, at this point, their their arrogance and ignorance are combined into one really mother-fucked-up Captain Planet. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I'm not going to argue whether or not this guy was actually hard to because I think it was a for the time. I, I just don't see it. Well, I mean, he's he's still gonna be in jail because he he killed the doctor. Like he's still he didn't kill yeah. Him. He didn't kill him. Oh, he only shot him in the shoulder. Yeah. Well. Okay. Right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So um, he still assaulted a doctor. Like right. He, he and sur- killed a cop. And he and, did and kill the cop. And, and killed the cop. Yeah. True. Um, true. So, yeah. But he's not gonna be put to death. Right. And these guys are like, if he doesn't get put to death. I'm gonna lose. Right. So he needs to be put to death. This never happened. Yeah. And it's such. It's corruption, but it's not surprising. No. No. It's really sad that we have to say that. Yeah. Like, it's really just not surprising. Even though this is a fictionalized story, it's like, oh. All right. A lot of it still rings true. Yeah. So Bruce gets in and he gets out of jail again, and there the um, he goes in the press room about having uh, having to wire Albany for his bail, and asks him about the whereabouts of his mother. And Hildy's really frankly, you know, frantically trying to type up a story. Now at this point, Walter's in on the screen, and this is where like. I think this is a third shift, but I think this is also a shift in the generalized story, but he really has the power here. Oh, yeah. You know, not only just where it is, and you do get the the famous uh, meme gif of uh, Cary Grant, get out, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. Okay, and then once again, I, like, I, I will have to dig and find, the, there's a picture of me wearing a very similar suit and fedora to this. And it's just, um, it's actually one that was taken in our bedroom. Oh. But, um, it's, it's just, it's very, very odd and just kind of realized where I got my suit attire and where I got my general professional look from. Gotcha. Kind of, kind of interesting. Um, so we have there the, um, and it goes really, like, I would say, Liz, there's, yeah, if you, if you do listen to this, it goes really quick. 
This goes really fast. And the dialogue is boom, 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 boom. Like, it makes uh, you feel. I'm sorry? Have you ever watched the Gilmore Girls? No. You're going to be prepared for this. Yeah. But I mean, you feel with the, the way the dialogue is back and forth, you really feel the tension of the room. You also have to remember the guy who wrote this, um, he wrote two separate scripts. Really? That are made to talk over each other. Um, that's why there's so much dialogue that go on top of each other, like one person's still finishing their thought and yeah. someone else is already talking. That's because they're two separate scripts. That's and interesting. Both to be at the same time. Like this is actually supposed to be like a fastest movie ever. Like it was made that. It wow. was made for that. So yeah. So the reason this is going so fast, it was intentional. Wow. I mean, it's. Yeah. It gets going and it gets going. I mean, I, I love where they finally find the guy in the desk. <laughs> and, and he's just scared too or that, but then, you know, the, <laughs> the best line in this movie here, like, how you doing? You got enough air? I'm a little light here. Okay, here's a little more air. And he shuts the desk again. He's <laughs> like, just, here, wave some air in there. It is, that, that to me was the funniest one. And it's, yes. it's, 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 um, but this, like, right before that, this was when we find out that uh, it was a car accident. Right. And uh, Bruce's mother might be dead. Um, all the reporters were, like, pouring back in, including um, the sheriff. And um, right after that, the mother comes in with more police uh, say he had me kidnapped and at that point the uh open and Earl pops out so there's all happening at one time right and then you've got the sheriff basically going alright um Walter Hildy you're going to both be arrested for aiding and abetting and kidnapping and a host of other things. Um, and basically, everybody else kind of leave. Like, we're getting rounding up. Um, everybody starts pulling out. And then the mayor comes in. And he's like, what's going on? What's happening? And like, oh, we found him. We're gonna bring him back to jail. And nothing's changed. And we're gonna arrest these two. And then we're gonna go to jail. And everything is gonna be fine. And then our happy little friend walks in. Yeah. And uh, he walks in and he's like, I, I can't do this. My wife would. Here's his reprieve. I like that he just also it's this this guy as well like even though he looked like a forties Mario, yeah. In my in my head, I was like, oh, my wife would like the princess wouldn't like this. <laughs> I, I I just thinking, but it is I, it was so cartoony. 
Oh, in general, like where he's just like he's very happy to talk about his wife and like everybody else is shutting him down, and he's just very happy to just kind of like go by life. And he just really like I got the feeling like he just wanted to go home and go to sleep. Yeah, and just tired. yeah, and I've had days like that. Yeah, definitely. And I've I've worked for corporations for a while and. Where like shady stuff's going on, and you're like you're, you're like I and I've done stuff where I've driven like I I where I used to work I don't live very far away from there but I've driven I've gotten halfway home and I've turned back and it just settled the situation just yeah. knowing that I won't be able to sleep yeah you know like knowing I won't be able to sleep and just saying okay like it'll take five minutes I'll just get this done. And then go home and be able to not think about work. That should be what home should be. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I mean it's still, but there are there are jobs that you know you oh. you cannot get out of your head and like or you or, or if you have such a shady a shitty day that you just like you can't get out of it like you know. You're Can't sitting, press. yeah, and you're sitting eating dinner, going "fuck the world, fuck the world, fuck the world." Like, oh god, yeah. I I can relate to this guy. I'm like, I have done that multiple times, yep. and I have used like a very similar line. Like, okay, my wife would be very unhappy if I talked about work right now, so I'm just gonna get this done. <laughs> and I've also driven people nuts with that, but it's, at least it's still like I get you. I, I get you, dude. I get it. Like, yeah. oh, my wife would not be very happy. I'm like, I get it. And you yeah. know, so, so um, I'm sorry. In a healthy relationship, if you're gonna take a new job, you really should just talk with your partner. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I I get it. Yeah. I have to just still I get that here. So the um, the Walter and Hildy uh, find out that in order to save um, uh, save Williams from the gallows, they use the information. They blackmail the uh, the mayor and the sheriff, and they uh, into dropping the Walter's arrest for kidnapping of Mrs. Baldwin. Hildy receives one last call from Bruce, and again in jail having a counterfeit money. The poor, poor motherfucker can't take a break, really. Like, they mm. you unknowingly know, yeah. transferred him by Hildy from Walter. Now, I think the the great parts of this was Walter's double talk and then going around it and then throwing the mayor's words back in his face. Yes. And just saying that, you know, he's like, you don't understand what the power of the paper is. He's like, all right. And in that one situation and when the, you know, when the... Um, uh, I forgot what they would call it now, but basically, oh, the process server comes in and then just gives them the gives them the the papers. He's like, "All right, here's the power of the paper right now." Yep. And, just, and uh, I was thinking of my best Cary Grant impression, but motherfucker, I got you. <laughs> I got you. Like, I um, I'd like to mention two little like Easter eggs. Okay. Uh, when um, Bruce is being arrested second or third time, um, blonde. Um, when uh, when Walter is um, explaining what Bruce looks like, 
uh, he tells that he looks like um, Ralph Bellamy. Right. And that's Ralph Bellamy who played him. Right. So, he looks like uh, Ralph Bellamy. It's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, and then, uh, right around this point, when he's doing the double cut, well, he mentions that the last time something like this happened, he was talking to Archie Leach. Right. right. Before he cut his own throat. <laughs> that and that was an ad libbed line. It was. That was yeah. a yeah, and Hawkins looked at it, he's like, All right, just keep it in the script. Like it just just keep that in because it was just really and um Um one other thing. Um that's right, you just something. Um, um and then he Russell. Um after she took this role before they started filming, she actually hired an advocate so she could be quick. That's really smart. Yeah, she, uh, she wants to do a lot to the character. That's yeah. really, really smart. And, um, I, um, when we get to that, actually, um, when we get to the end of this, I wanted to talk about how Rosalind Russell was, uh, before we go to fantasy casting, how she was casted. And it's it's a, it's a truncated version of it, but how many people she beat out for the role and the reason why was biggest damn shoulder funny. Pa- pads. <laughs> I mean, goddamn those shoulder pads. Yeah. You always notice the shoulder pads. Yes. Really, like. Hey, um, in this particular area, I think they gave her those was because they wanted to show her broad shouldered. Yeah. Keep up with the men. That's actually a really good point. Maybe the men should trim their shoulders down to keep up Agreed. with her. Agreed. Yeah. You know how hard it is to trim them? Well, it's not really that hard to trim <laughs> shoulders down, actually. Just not go to the gym for a week and suddenly they drop. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, this starts to wrap up here. Uh, Hildy breaks down and admits to Walter that she was afraid that Walter was going to let her marry Bruce without a fight. Walter and Hildy send the money to, uh, to bail Bruce out of jail. Afterwards, Walter tells Hildy that they're going to remarry and promises her to take her to a honeymoon on Niagara Falls, but right at the same time, there's a note, uh, a newsworthy strike in Albany, uh, which is uh, on the way to Niagara Falls by train. Hildy agrees to honeymoon in Albany uh, and accepting the fact that Walter will never change, and they lead out of the press room and asking her to carry her own suitcase. Not only that, he makes a quick quip going... I wonder if Bruce would uh, pull this up oh, for a week. One more time on that, what was that? He wondered if Bruce um, would put them up for a week. Oh, man. Oh, right. That's right. There. What was the small penis joke, too, by the way? I think we missed I, that part. I can't remember the specific, but it was one of those things where I was talking about the doctor, and um, she basically... It's so quick. Um, I can't remember the specific, but it was definitely a, uh, basically like, oh, really? Okay. That's what we like to think. All right. Damn. And it was really, really fast. 
Wow. All right. Well, the um, so with the casting of this, Cary Grant was casted instantaneously with his girl Friday. Uh, like the moment they had the idea and it got greenlit, everybody just saw him immediately. Yeah. Um, the Columbia couldn't afford, you know, very much, but they wanted Carol Lombard um, really? immediately to do this because it was the direction of screwball comedies. And, you know, but they, uh, Columbia couldn't afford her, but the, uh, so. This was the, um, these people, some of the movies we've already done, um, but they screen tested Catherine Hepburn, Claudette Colbert, Margaret Sullivan, Ginger Rogers, and Irene Dunn, and all these happened, and then um, Hawks uh, went ahead and uh, actually saw Rosalind Russell, and he was at a pool, and she was out there, and before the first meeting, she went and took a swim, and they were meeting at a nearby hotel. She took a swim and entered the office with wet hair. And he did a triple take and said, okay, you're hired, screw everybody else. Okay. And just really, because he saw, because you see, Rosalind Russell's hair is really big. Yes. And, you know, but 1939, when it was filmed, and all of a sudden it's just, boom, like, really big hair and that really demonstrative, like, you know, really commanding presence. Yeah. And it's just really kind of funny that, but you know... Wet hair would make it look smaller. Yeah, but with hers, it just poofed out. Oh. Because it was, she was very naturally curly. Um, but it's just, she had all these, and then he... Um, he was juggling between the five women, or, uh, yeah, five women, and then he landed on, he landed on her on basically just one take. Like, just looking okay. at her going, okay, yeah, you, like, you're doing it, like, really? Okay, great. You look like, you look like the, the one I want. Yeah. And um, just on a notes with that, like, Catherine Hepburn was actually doing um, the Philadelphia story. Uh, and uh, I want to actually thank a few people uh, who posted on our social media and sent the messages in um, that um, uh, Catherine Hepburn was doing in the Philadelphia story, actually confusing it with Tom Hanks' Philadelphia story, yeah, which is a uh, very different movie, which uh, I'm very glad y'all pointed that out because it was very, it was much better that we went to His Girl Friday. Yes. So, appreciated. And uh, also, Margaret Sullivan, who um, was Jimmy Stewart's love interest at this time. Um, we also covered her in Shop Around the Corner. Oh. I love that movie. It is a nice one. It is. And, um, I, really liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. It really is. Ironically, um, which ironically was remade by Tom Hanks. Was it? Yeah, which, well, it was, um, well, Shop Around the Corner um, in the 90s was remade. It was a movie called You Got Mail. Oh, but then terrible. Yeah, it was the exact same story, but they just put AOL in there because Time Warner for the bill. That's terrible. 
terrible. It was bad. It was bad. Um, so that about does it with this. Um, we're actually, I believe, next week's movie we are covering is something where Ginger Rogers shows up. Sweet. Um, so uh, that would be Monkey Business, which I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, so with this, we're actually going to uh, give a quick pause for a little bit about 4041 Media, and then we're going to get into fantasy casting. Sounds good. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Movie Theater Time Machine is a part of the 4041 Media Group with podcasts like Psych Your Crime and Free Your Geek, which you can check out at 4041media.com. That's all squished together in one word, and the numbers are written as numbers. Now it's time to tell us what you think. If you got an opinion or wanted to know what's coming up next, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Movie Theater Time Machine. Now our podcast will always be free. Free? To subscribe and share. But if you'd like to help us build a bigger, better podcast, not to mention our confidence, you can find merchandise designed by me, Kaz, at Zazzle. Or check out the Kaz Foxen's Animal Shop at Zazzle for cute animal gifts and pet supplies. Thanks so much, and back to the show. And we also want to give love to um, a really good one. Uh, just you and Dan did a really great episode. Um, the last one of <laughs> I Watched What, and... I, I, I just gotta say it I'll just you know unprompted publicly but you guys have been I've been laughing my ass off with it I'm so glad it's it's just yeah it's great and it's it considering I'm actually um, I'm actually at a loss as to what I wanna on him this week <laughs> it's I watched what um, part of our 4041 Media Family, um, which is Dan and Jocelyn's podcast. Basically, torture each other with movies. Yeah, I still gotta look up Velocipaster. Please do. Please do. Yeah, it's... I, I, I listened to part of that, and I'm like, I just gotta see this movie first before I continue on. Definitely. Uh, um, we'll understand a lot. Yeah, just um, from... From your conversations and 15 minutes in, I'm like, I'm really intrigued. Honestly, uh, I went to work and I mentioned it to one of my coworkers and I told him, this is where you can watch it, you will enjoy it. And he watched it, came into work the next day, and he was like, that's the funniest fucking movie I've seen in a long time. And I'm like, yes, it's so stupid. It's great. Oh man, <laughs> I. It's a really short movie too. It so, is. Yeah, it's like only an hour and like twenty minutes, maybe. Oh, well, that's not bad. Yeah, it's it's short. All right. So fantasy casting, who's got what? Uh, <laughs> replace Walter Burns with the uh, Mister Burns. Okay. Uh, it's a. Uh, Twenty-two. All right. I don't know how so, that would just change everything. Uh, would would they be? Would uh, Hildy be obsessed with nuclear plants? I think. Um, I think Smithers doing most of the work. Hmm. Wasn't this somewhat of an episode? Because there was a. Um, there was a there was a Simpsons episode where Marge like faked her resume and ended up with a job, and then Burns was in love with her. Oh, 
I don't remember I that. Bet. Yeah. Um, it's a very weird one. Yeah, it's it's an early, early episode, but I yeah. remember, I, you're right too, I remember walking away from it, I'm like, what the fuck was that? That was, it was one, it wasn't really memorable. Yeah. Um, but I, it's kind of meh. Well, considering I had to, like, apply for a bunch of jobs over the past few months, and to do that, like, every time I change my resume, I thought of it where, like, she puts a resume together, and it's, like, now to, like, certain date till present, homemaker, and it's, like, one line, and then Lisa beefs it up. Like, don't yeah. worry, they never look at it. And then Smithers is like, you know, Marge is like, well, how do I do this? And she's like, well, according to your resume, you practically invented the machine, so just do stuff. <laughs> I, it just, it's one of my weird fears, but I don't know. Um, I gotta... Well, s- I don't know. lie about what you do. Just, um... It, don't even embellish. Just, don't embellish. No, yeah. No, it's... It's just an odd, it's a social fear, but, you know, it's just a difference. But the, um, I got to go with one. Um, if it's above 22, I've got to try to trump it. But I'd say, well, um, Cary Grant replace him with Robin Williams. Oh, God. Oh, oh fast talking. Fast. Yeah. Uh, it's a 26th. <laughs> Uh, Which uh, Robin Williams? Like Mark, yeah. Mark and Mindy Robin Williams. Thank you. King Robin Williams. Yes. Okay. The fastest talking one of them all. Yes. yes. Mark and Mindy Robin Williams, and there's a. I've been. I really hate that Mark and Mindy has been scrubbed from the internet because yeah, that is, I want to see it. That is put it back. It's one of the genius shows, like of all, and um, what. Yeah, one, I, I don't know, but one of, it's, it, it has one of Robin Williams' very first televised improv rants. Um, in the earlier seasons, um, more, I think it was Mindy and her family ran a record store. Okay. And he, uh, this guy walks in and does um ask this like you know do you have any good records or what's for or like what's new and robin williams goes into this three minute rant about what you can use a record sleeve for <laughs> and what you could use a record jacket for and he goes through this and the very ending line is void were prohibited by good taste <laughs> And there's a smash cut to another angle where this one get the the guy who he's doing this whole rant to on stage is just red trying to stay there and the audience is very heavily breathing. Like <laughs> like and then reading about it and figuring it out, like Robin went off on it and the audience just didn't know what to do. Like, they had to stop production for, like, 20 minutes because everybody kept laughing. (laughs) And I'd see Robin Williams in this, but particularly the fast-talking, like, he was such a damn good dramatic actor. He was. And all this, like, where he was, like, really manic, like, when the camera... When he was doing a dramatic role, he was super manic when he was off the camera and I would just really love to see him like mesh the two worlds just for this and 
He went through the, oh, sorry, you want to find out what's for the paper? The paper will have the power for you. Okay, yes, you want to rest this fine. Okay, good. But we'll go ahead and publish the story tonight. It'll be in the Morning Post. Yes, the Morning Post will take care of you. And you do different voices, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, in this instance, would he be an alien as well? Ooh. 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 Uh, oh, I don't know. God, that would be good. Ooh. They're fine. It had to been one who was here for a while. Yeah, was, mm. oh, fine, Mindy. You know, don't, oh my god. Uh, oh my god, what if Hildy was Mindy and this was just an extension of Mork and Mindy? <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. It's an alternate universe. Yeah, I like I like this alternate universe. <laughs> I, like, I like this one a lot. Oh man. Yeah. That's all I, so, that's, uh, that's all I got too. I have one. Okay. Um. Our patron saint of forty forty one. Okay. As Earl. You're oh sticking God. Christopher Walken in it. Oh my God, I love it. He's Earl. <laughs> You're not gonna go ahead and do it. You're gonna run away. You're gonna go get somebody. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and do the one thing I can hide. I'm gonna hide in this desk. <laughs> Hey, oh yeah, there's a little bit of air for you. And that's a twenty-eight. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I think patrons <sighs> saying, "Well, with that that one, yeah." Look, I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. This fucking guy. He came at me. Give me a fucking gun. <laughs> You want me to react to fucking crime? You do it again, I'll stab you in the face with a soda gun. The gun was in his butt. <laughs> That's where it came yep. from. <laughs> oh, mystery solved. <laughs> Although, isn't technically gun. in the movie he's telling the story about somebody else smuggling the watch in the butt? Not himself smuggling yeah. the watch? Yeah, it's... I like uh, to think he's smuggling the watch in his butt. Yeah. Well, that's one line. I he did. Yeah. Oh. No, it's like he hit. He hit it. All he hit it all those years up his ass. Oh, so. And he then was, when he, he died, he handed it to me, and I hit it up my ass. Oh. Yeah. Ha ha. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> when uh, someone says butt stuff. Yeah. You know what they're talking about. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah, the uh, I would. It'd be really funny if he, you know. So if it's patron saint forty forty one media Christopher Walken, if he got out of the desk and a watch landed on the floor <laughs> or something, or he said, "Tink, fine, take um, me away. You got me. I want to go back to prison. <laughs> People talk too fast around here." Well, that's why he was so tired. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to follow that shit. Stop now. talking to me. Just shoot me. <laughs> shoot me, goddamn, shoot me. <laughs> I hope everybody realizes that we're not making fun of Christopher Walken. No. We love him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The man. The man is really like. An incredible enigma. Like, I really want someone to make a picture of him 
like with both of his hands out, like Jesus. <laughs> with like the hand around his head. Yeah. <laughs> that people get on that. We've got to put it on Nerdy Nerdy. We've got to put it in Nerdy Studios on the wall. <laughs> right here before we... <laughs> I would totally be down for that. <laughs> we'll put candles and... Ah, uh, yeah. Tasteful. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Gonna walk in in the bathtub. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah, my mind is starting to go on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, well... Now my mind is wandering on this thought. And I mean, <laughs> all right. So I think you know we'll close this episode now. Um, and I'll be it. So again, uh, once again, if you are new to us from Simon and Schuster, we are the Movie Theater Time Machine Podcast, uh, yes. where we have a lot of fun. You know, talking quite a bit about movies, and you know, probably analyzing way too much from time to time, but. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Absolutely. Uh, it's okay. We are who we are. So, once again, if you are here for this long, uh, remember that uh, be on the lookout for it in our show notes um, down in the description below. There'll be a copy and paste link uh, where you can go to simonandschuster.com and fill out the uh, fill it out with Movie Theater Time Machine, and uh, you can get a co- sign to get a... Uh, well, you won't get a copy just because you fill it out, but you'll be in a drawing to get a free copy of the book. Of uh, uh, Scott Iman's Cary Grant Master Disguise. And we will continue on next month, uh, next week rather, with uh, Cary Grant uh, movies. With the beautiful one with Cary Grant and Marilyn Monroe. uh, With Monkey Business. And um, with reverse aging and people getting younger and weird stuff going on. And... It's very strange how they get younger. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a weird one, and you're gonna see this, and uh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really fun, and I think this is gonna be a really slap happy laugh one, and it'll be fun yeah, for all of silly. us. Yeah, yeah, for all of us, this will be fun. Yeah. So, all right, we'll wrap up. Uh, Cara Grant, we love you. Be good. Take care of yourself, but don't be too good.